Hey there, feature fans. It's a week of new movies, and boy, do we have a selection for you. I had to choose between three very good-looking movies for my pick this week, and I also had to watch some pretty awful trailers. What's my pick? What were those awful movies? Stay tuned to find out. It's the week of March 24th, and this is episode 35 of Future Flicks. All right, everyone. All right, welcome. Welcome to Future Flicks with Billiam. I, of course, am your host, Billiam. Let me start off by telling you a little bit about the show. Like I said, this is Future Flicks. I'm your host, Billiam. In Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, my thoughts on it, and I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me at Twitter, at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And follow me on Instagram, BilliamSWN there as well. So let's move on to our first segment, which, as always, is the news. Malin Ackerman, who played Silk Spectre from The Watchmen, joined the cast of Rampage, starring Dwayne Johnson. If you don't remember, this is based off the video game of the same name from the 80s. If you want to be able to stream the movie Moonlight, correction, the Academy Award-winning movie Moonlight, you better have an Amazon account. Thanks to a renewal of the deal with Studio A24, Amazon is getting exclusive rights to stream the Academy Award-winning movie. A biopic is in the works. (laughs) I'm sorry, a biopic. A biopic for Mary Magdalene is in the works, starring Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix with director Garth Davis, who directed Lion at the helm. The Weinstein Company scheduled the release for this movie in the middle of awards season. That's November 24th to be exact. Something tells me the Weinstein Company thinks they have some pretty good Oscar bait. So we already know what Ridley Scott's next movie is. His next movie, of course, after Alien Covenant, which isn't even out yet. He hopes his next project will be a sequel that he's going to call Alien Awakening. Michael Keaton's new project, American Assassin, is getting a September 2017 release date. This is a movie based off the Vince Flynn book, the prequel he wrote for his Mitch Rapp series. Just think Jack Reacher, but full-blown CIA. Dylan O'Brien from Maze Runner is going to star as the CIA operative, and Michael Keaton will be his trainer. Well, we've just had Beauty and the Beast, but now get ready for Disney's next two live-action projects. Jon Favreau is heading The Lion King, which is going to star the voices of Donald Glover and James Earl Jones. And still no director for this next one, but Mulan is getting set for a release date in 2018. All right, folks, that's it for all the news that mattered to me since the last episode. But I did come up with a name for the segment about new trailers. So here we go, my friends, with the first ever official segment of Blazing Trailers. This isn't a movie, but it's well worth a mention. The new trailer for season one of American Gods hit the interwebs on the 15th, and it looks amazing. 
Check it out. If you haven't read American Gods by Neil Gaiman, do yourself a favor and read it. The first trailer for Pixar's Coco is out, and it looks more like a teaser trailer. It shows us what happens probably in the first 15 minutes and leaves out anything about the plot. We'll have to wait for more trailers to drop to find out more about this project. And for the last bit of blazing trailers, are you ready for this one? I really don't think you're ready. Okay, let's wait a bit. Let's wait. Okay, are you ready? This isn't a brand new trailer. It came out in October of last year, but it's new to me, so maybe, just maybe, it's new to you too, because I did not see anything about this on IMDb, Reddit, Imager, or any of those sites when it dropped, so maybe it's new to you. If it's not, I'm sorry for being so woefully behind, and I have disgraced my ancestors. The trailer I just watched this weekend was the one for Best Friends, with the R in parentheses for some weird reason. This is a movie starring, and here's what you're waiting for, Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. Sestero, I think, yeah. That's right, Johnny and Mark from The Room. Check it out. It looks terrible. So terrible, in fact, that one day I may get faced and watch it. Well, that's it for Blazing Trailers, my friends. Nothing else um, came out that piqued my interest. There were quite a few trailers that came out, but those are the big ones, or the ones that even looked worth uh, worth a mention. But let's move on to our first movie of the week. Our first movie is one called Slamma Jamma. A former basketball star gets out of jail after serving time for a crime he was wrongfully accused of. He finds a chance at redemption when he hears about a national slam dunk competition. This is a small movie with no big actors in it. The main character is played by Chris Staples in his first ever role. And this also has two former sports stars in it. Former Dallas Cowboy Michael Irving and former A's player Jose Canseco. When I was watching the trailer, I noticed my opinion shifted a few times. My opinion went between two things. The first, that this was a professional but super small-time movie. And the other time it shifted, it went to it being a lot like a project for an intro to filmmaking class at a community college. Alright, I know when I talk about movies having poor quality, I usually refer to them as student films in one way or another. Here's why I do that. Student films are great, and quite often they can put their all into it, and that always deserves respect. But when I compare a feature film to it, what I'm saying is that either the quality is subpar, like something you'd expect to see with the type of equipment students can get their hands on, or the acting doesn't flow right, or there's something else that doesn't just flow, that it seems like there's something holding up the story from being told. These are things that are fine and acceptable when you take into account student films because they're not professionals, they're learning, and this movie could have been a learning experience, but when it's a feature-length film, it's laughable. Hell, it can be even embarrassing to watch. But back to this movie, the sad thing is this had promise. It's an old plot, but it's been a while since we've seen a movie like it, so that part could have been overlooked. Some of the acting looks pretty good, and the basketball scenes are impressive. The downside is that the rest of the acting looks like a drunk soap opera audition, and some of the scenes look laughable. I can't recommend you see this. Not at all. Forget about this movie and go home and watch something else if you want to watch a basketball movie. Watch Eddie. Watch Coach Carter. Watch He Got Game. Watch Space Jam. 
anything else, Slamajama gets a 1 out of 11. Next up on Future Flicks is a movie called The Leveling. Clover returns home after her brother dies. She finds her father a mess, the family farm has gone to hell, and she learns that her brother shot himself. She now has to help pick up the pieces, or what's left of them. This stars Ellie Kendrick from Game of Thrones. This is a British drama, but not one of those period stylized ones. It's one of the habitually sad and realistic ones. Goody, goody, gumdrops. I watched this trailer and then I was left wondering if there was any happiness left in the world. At all. It was depressing. This is a drama heavier than an adult diaper after Thanksgiving dinner. This is the dramast drama that has ever dramaed. The acting looks really good and it looks beautifully shot and well written. They were able to take a comically old idea like anything involving a family farm and make it relevant, which is impressive. So it doesn't feel like, oh boy, Pa, we got to save the family farm. I'm going to go sell my favorite cow or some like that. The trouble is nothing about this reached out and grabbed me. As good as I may have made it sound by going on about the acting and writing and what have you, it's still lacking. The leveling doesn't have a thing that sparks or grabs my attention. It doesn't make me want to see this. Indie film lovers and film festival buffs will probably go ape for this, but the rest of us will be left cold. This is going to be one of those movies that you can sit down, watch, and be able to point out all the good things about it and why it should be good or great, but then when it's done, you'll just be left empty. If you're a fan of British dramas, then maybe this is for you. If not, pass on this and watch something else. Watch Hell or High Water. Maybe. Maybe Moonlight. Hacksaw Ridge. Those are really good dramas. Watch anything else. The Leveling gets a 4 out of 11. Well, folks, let's keep this British film's theme going with a movie called Prevenge. You heard me right. Prevenge. Ruth is a widow who is seven months pregnant. She believes her unborn child is guiding her and instructing her to murder people. This stars and was also written and directed by Alice Lowe. She had a small role in Hot Fuzz and it has Gemma Whelan in it from Game of Thrones. I don't know how I feel about this movie. I just watched the trailer for a second time and I just don't know. I remember thinking that it looked funny and interesting with dry British humor, and then I thought how it looks like straight up And then as the trailer progressed, I went on to thinking it looked funny again. I don't get it. How do I feel about this movie? I laughed during the trailer, and my brow also furrowed. It furrowed so much that I looked like a Sharpay who's been in a pool too long. But this isn't the reaction one is supposed to have to a true black comedy. No, 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 not a black comedy like Tyler Perry movies. Black comedies like really dark comedies. Movies where you question your laughter. Like, should I really be laughing about that? Dark humor is like food. Not everyone gets it. This isn't the kind of movie you see in theaters. This is the kind of movie, if you even want to watch it at all, that is, that you put on one day when you've been flipping through everything on Netflix for the better part of an hour and can't decide on what to watch. Then maybe you turn it off halfway through because you lost interest. Who knows? The fact that I can't make up my mind if this looks great or sh 
makes it so I can't give it a good score. I should be able to tell. And if I can't, that means it's not worth it. Prevenge gets a 4 out of 11. Alright folks, let's move on. Let's move on to a movie called Whispers. A young couple is still grieving after the death of their daughter. They move to a new house in the countryside where they're haunted by not only their tragedy, but a sinister darkness that lives in the house as well. Jesus, this looks like even more garbage than all of the other movies I've mentioned so far. Bad acting, bad dialogue, Skinamax-style cinematics, but without the benefit of softcore porn, this is a mess. I just want to brag a bit that I said Skinamax-style cinematics in one take. That was a joke I prepped in my notes, and I didn't need more than one take to say it. Hallelujah! Thank you. Thank you very much. This movie also has what's called an idiot plot. You know, one of those movies that will only happen because one or all of the characters are morons. Moving to a house with a dark past? Sure. Freaky shit starts happening? Why leave when we can stay right where we are and be morons? Alright, side story time, just because I don't have a lot to talk about regarding this movie. My fiancé and I went to Finley's Pub in Manteca, California. It was a nice little pub. It was in this little corner of California that looked like deliverance could have taken place there. You know, that feeling you get when you think that maybe some fat hellbilly is going to try and peg you. Well, this is a mildly well-known haunted pub, and we talked to the owner who said that something happened the night they moved into the house. Her husband went into town because she sent him on an errand to get her ice cream, and she walked into the kitchen, and the doors locked, and the cupboards started opening and closing really hard and banging and making all kinds of noise, and she got there as fast as she could and ran out of the house and stayed out until her husband got home, and she, she said, I'm not going back in the house, stayed the night at the motel. I'm assuming they went back after they realized it was a mild ghost or maybe they weren't going to get killed and, or whatever. Make sure there's no hell mouth that opened up. But, you know, she had the right idea. Freaky shit happens. F*** that. GTFO. All right. Now, I'm just going to finish up talking about this movie because it looks like garbage. If you watch a trailer, you'll see exactly what I mean. Bad acting with a weak plot and bad cinematography. There's there's nothing else to say. The trailer for this film was so bad, it was actually comical. Don't watch this movie and don't even think about it beyond this. Whispers gets a 1 out of 11. All right, this is normally when I would have the break just because there are eight movies this week and I've talked about four. But there's only one movie left that isn't one of the three that I mentioned, like the three great movies I had to choose from. So I'm just going to do that last movie, then we're going to have our break, and we'll come back with the big three. So here's the final movie before we get to the countdown. That movie is called Wilson. Wilson is a lonely man who's just a bit crazy. He finds out his ex-wife put their child that he didn't know about up for adoption, and he convinces said ex-wife to go looking for the girl, and the three of them start to bond. Or at least they try to. This stars Woody Harrelson from Now You See Me, and Laura Dern from Jurassic Park. This was written by Daniel Close, from, who wrote Ghost World, and directed by Craig Johnson, who directed The Skeleton Twins. This feels like Woody Harrelson wanted to pay homage to early Steve Carell and make it awkward comedy because this has awkward written all over it. The thing is, the awkwardness feels more realistic. Wilson is someone you could actually meet, while Andy from The 40-Year-Old 40, 40 Virgin is a caricature to the extreme. 
If you ever wanted to see a super awkward comedy with hints of family drama thrown into the mix, then this is your jam. The character of the daughter, and thus the actress, is fat, so I hope they don't have a slew of fat jokes. Sure, a couple are funny. I'm fat and I enjoy a good fat joke, but it can be overdone. It's also the easy joke, and if a movie has too many easy jokes in it, it takes away from the movie as a whole. I lose respect for the film. The good thing is, if this is a smart or at least clever comedy, then a well-timed easy joke will kill it. This seems like it may be the beginning of Laura Dern's comeback. She's been cast in Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, as well as the new Twin Peaks. So I'm glad to see her doing more because she is a good actress and she should she should be in the spotlight more. And Woody Harrelson is a fantastic actor who has a wide range of characters. Some of you may be questioning that right now, but thinking that he's the same guy a lot, but look at him. No Country for Old Men, LBJ, Hunger Games, Now You See Me, all different characters. The only thing is he always looks the same. Unlike other great actors who transform themselves looks as well, he just presents a new character with the same old look. Sometimes just the length of his hair varies. Like I've said about a hundred movies before this, this is the kind of film that you forget about and stumble upon one day and decide to give it a try. It will be good, but you'll realize that you didn't miss out on anything by waiting to see it. This is going to be a perfectly fine movie if you like the awkward comedies, but it doesn't have to be seen now. This can wait. Wilson doesn't look bad, but not as good as the three movies I'll talk about after the break. It gets a 6 out of 11. Alright, with that, break time, my future fans. Break time for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio, so stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right. Welcome back. Welcome. Doesn't danger have a great voice? He really has a great announcer voice. Good journey, nerds. I can't even do it half as well as he can. But let's get on with the show. Now is when we get into the three big movies of the week. But now the question is, which order will they be revealed in? Of course, leaving the best for last. Which one is my pick? Well, here's the first of the big three. And that's Chips. An FBI agent goes undercover with the California Highway Patrol as one Frank Poncherello a.k.a. Ponch. He's paired with a rookie named John Baker who's trying to get a cool job to save his marriage. The two start on a case involving a highway involving highway robberies that may or may not be an inside job. This stars Michael Pena from End of Watch, Dax Shepard from Parenthood, Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars, Justin Chatwin from Shameless, Vincent D'Onofrio from Daredevil, and Maya Rudolph from Bridesmaids. This was written and directed by Dax Shepard, who I'm pretty sure saw 21 Jump Street and thought, yeah, now I can make my dream movie, a comedic version of Chips. Rumor has it that the movie had such a hard time finding a director and writer that the production company decided to allow Dax Shepard to do it. And you know what? It looks like they made the right choice. 
They just picked the wrong week to release it. It should have been released a couple weeks ago and it would have done a lot better. This week is going to have a hard time. I wish though they went full 21 Jump Street with this and had the movie take place in the same world but with new characters. I would rather Penny and Shepard play anyone else than Ponch and John. This wouldn't affect the movie at all. They just have new character names, but everything else would be the same. They could have had the same plot. Everything else would have been fine. This film looks funny and raunchy, but not so raunchy that it's going to have a stigma about it. That's going to be one of those movies with sarcastic air quotes. I laughed quite a bit during the trailer, which is a good sign. The risk with movies like this, with trailers like this, is that they blow their joke load before the movie even starts. I don't have much to say about the writing and cinematography because it all looks like a standard big budget comedy. It'll be funny, but by the numbers, when it, which when it comes to the comedy like this, it isn't a bad thing. 21 Jump Street was by the numbers, and that's one of my favorite comedies ever. The acting promises to be good, as all the actors I mentioned are, well, good. Michael Pena is simply amazing, and Vincent D'Onofrio is one meaty role away from getting an Oscar. I actually need to stop comparing this to 21 Jump Street because I'm, I may find myself really disappointed when I didn't have to be. You know, that when you get your hopes up so much that nothing can live up to what you had in your head? Yeah, that. If you feel like a comedy this week, then this is the movie for you. This is the obvious choice. It's going to be funny, and the good thing is that the trailer had enough funny moments that you already know if this is the kind of comedy you'd like. Just make sure you watch the Red Band trailer to get a good feeling for it first. This will be fun, but will you see this? Or will you see one of the next movies? Chips gets an 8 out of 11. Okay, folks, two movies left. That's two movies and one pick. Can you figure out what my pick is? Well, the next movie on my list isn't that pick. And that movie is called Life. A group of astronauts discover life on Mars and are on their way to bring it back when their tiny sample starts to grow and become far more dangerous than they could have ever imagined. This stars Jake Gyllenhaal from Source Code, Rebecca Ferguson from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Ryan Reynolds from Two Guys, A Girl, and a Pizza Place, Arian Bakare from Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, and Hiroyuki Sanada from The Wolverine. This is directed by Daniel Espinosa, who did Safe House with Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington. It was written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who wrote Deadpool, Zombieland, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. It looks to me like Reese and Wernick channeled Alien for this one because it has a serious sci-fi horror vibe. Unlike last week, it looks like this one has a great cast and looks great. Last week had the unfortunate case of an amazing cast but a shitty looking film. Of course, that was Song by Song, I believe it was called. I don't care enough about it to look it up again, but I can guarantee this one is going to be much better than that. So how can I give such a bold statement, you may be wondering? Easy, because this is a familiar plot with reliable people at the helm. Every trailer points to this being good, and nothing I've heard or seen so far says otherwise. This is going to be a sci-fi thriller slash horror, so it's not going to be a full-on horror like The Conjuring or a Halloween movie. This is going to have some scary moments, but mostly bank on being thrilling. The sci-fi aspect is just a great backdrop. What impresses me is that this movie doesn't seem to rely on any tropes. Look at any popular sci-fi TV shows or movie series, and those typical characters or the typical plot points are nowhere to be found in this. 
Of course, only time will tell how dashing and roguelike Ryan Reynolds or Jake Gyllenhaal will be, so maybe that will be there. But from the trailers, I couldn't easily just put these people onto the bridge of the Enterprise or into Star Wars or Stargate or something like that. I couldn't just easily plug them into other roles. And that's a good thing. It says that this isn't going to be a predictable movie. All right. It could still be predictable. Don't don't get me wrong. This could be an utter piece of garbage and trailer guy could be working his voodoo witchcraft on this. But all signs so far point to it being an original non-predictable movie. This is as original as a movie can be. We've seen movies about people trapped in a spaceship with rogue aliens trying to kill them, but that's just the bare bones premise. It looks like Reese and Wernick added a lot more meat to this, so it doesn't seem like a rehash plot. Life also looks like it won't rely heavily on CG. There's going to be a lot of CG, of course. It's not like they really shot these actors up into space and then filmed them, but it won't be the main focus. There there won't be any battles of Helm's Deep. There won't be any Matrix battles that rely on CG. So if you understand what I'm trying to say, or if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, it means that the CG won't be the main focus. There will be a lot of it, but it's not going to be a Transformers movie. It's not going to be a Star Trek movie. Even though I love Star Trek, there is a lot of CG and it's a CG heavy movie. This doesn't look like it's going to be that heavy. This is going to be a good movie. And if you choose this over my pick of the week, then you'll still wind up seeing a great movie. So Life gets a 9 out of 11. All right, folks, you know what my pick is. You know what movie's left. You do, you do. And if you don't, maybe turn on a TV. Maybe walk past a theater and look at the posters that are sitting outside. Because that next movie, and my pick of the week, is Power Rangers. A group of teenagers with attitudes stumble their way into a battle to save the world. They must harness their new powers to defeat the evil that threatens them all. This stars Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad and Elizabeth Banks from the Hunger Games series. Alright, this is directed by Dean Israelite, who did Project Almanac, and the script was written by John Gattins, who wrote Kong, Skull Island, Flight, and Real Steel. Or at least the script, yeah, I'm sorry, the script was. The story, however, was written by four people. It took four people to write this story for some weird reason. Okay, still, I'm putting a call out. If any of you know why it takes so many writers to write certain movies, let me know. Because here's here's what I think. If you haven't heard my theory so far, my theory is that it starts out with someone or two writers. Like you'll learn and you'll see in this case that they're groups of writers, like pairs and, and shit like that. But it starts with two of them. And then maybe they do one version and then someone else comes in and does rewrites or something. And so they're all credited for the story or the script. That's what I think. If there's another reason, if it really took four people sitting in a room, putting their heads together to write this story, then maybe my hopes are way too high for this movie. So this story was written by four people, Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, who did Gods of Egypt and Dracula Untold, and Michelle and Kieran Mulroney, who did Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. So it took five people to write this movie. Good God. You may have noticed that when I talked about the actors, I didn't mention the Rangers themselves. That's because they're a group of C, even D-list actors, maybe even lower than D. This isn't a bad thing at all. I think it works. It works for many reasons. The first being that it will keep a lot of us, the moviegoers, from going in with inflated expectations if they had an all-star cast. Second, they're doing five movies. There's five of these scheduled, and if they got big stars to play the Rangers, 
they may start to get antsy. The actors would might start to get antsy and want to leave. Rita, Zordon, and Alpha eventually left the TV show, so if Elizabeth Banks, Brian Cranston, or Bill Hader, who does a voice of Alpha, wanted out, easy peasy. They just they just jumped the timetable of the series up a bit and then explained why they left. Of course, now that I think about it, it wouldn't be that hard to replace the Rangers either, because remember, if you remember in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they changed halfway through season two, I think? Season two is when Zed came in, and I believe halfway through season two is when they changed, and Jason, Trini, and Zack left, leaving leaving Billy and Kimberly behind, and they found two, uh, sorry, three new rangers to take their place. And that's when Zed came out, who used to be Rita's boss or some or something like that, and then they that's about when the movie happened, because the first movie didn't have the original red, original yellow, or original black ranger in it. All right, but I still stand by what I said. I still believe that it's a good idea that they got little known actors to play the rangers. The only ranger actor I've ever heard of is R.J. Seiler, who was in Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. He played Earl. Uh, he plays Billy, the Blue Ranger. Uh, Ludi Lin, I believe it was Ludi Lin, uh, plays Zack, the Black Ranger. He was in Marco Polo. And apparently Becky G, who plays Trini, the Yellow Ranger, is a singer or something I've never heard of. But she has a bunch of singing credits in movies. I like that they switched the colors of the Rangers up. Because if you remember the original show, they were basically color-coded. The Asian was yellow, the black guy was black, and then the rest of them were just white. So for this one, they just kind of switched it around. Becky G is, I think she's some like Mexican or some sort of Latin American heritage. And then they switched around the Black Ranger to be Asian. And then the Black guy is the Blue Ranger. I think that was a good choice just to stop too much controversy from happening. Because for you and me, I'm assuming you're you're around my age. I'm sorry. If you're, if you're a little older or a little younger, you don't remember it. I apologize. But if you're my age and you remember the Power Rangers, then for us, it wouldn't be a big deal. Because that's the way it was back then. And it wasn't real. I don't look at it as racist, but Lord knows if they made the same thing now, like that same style right now, social justice warriors and all these people would be all over it, screaming racism when it was just stupid. So it was smart of them to forego that just to make it a little easier on them, just so they didn't have all these people trying to boycott it. There's no hashtag boycott Power Rangers and all this stuff just because a bunch of easily offended got all upset. Back to the movie because I am pitching a tent with a serious nerd boner here. The Power Rangers were my jam growing up. I was 10 when the show first aired and it was the sh**. Billy was a blue ranger. He had my name. Blue is my favorite color. He was a nerd. What more did I want? This time around, there doesn't seem to be a nerd, which kind of bothers me just because some of the tropes are gone. That was what, what I really liked about that show. Okay, that's a lie. Just one of the things I like that there were tropes. You had the jock, you had the seemingly stupid cheerleader, who honestly wasn't that stupid. You had the nerd, you had the tough, street smart black guy, and you had the smart Asian girl. Sure, they could have switched it all around too, just to keep just to keep people from crying about it, but they're all kind of delinquents here. They all made in detention. It all seems like they deserve to be in detention, that they all were kind of screw-ups. So that does add something nice to the story, where it's kind of a story of redemption for these for these kids. But at the same time, I miss the, you know, Alpha, find me five teenagers with attitude. And you went and got a nerd. Because nerds have attitude, maybe? No, I don't know. No, whatever. But this is the movie to watch. This is... 
a true, true example of homage being paid to an older, older thing, an older show. Because if you watch the trailer, the scenes when they're in their armor, they have that same style of fighting that the that the old show did. The only thing that bothers to me is that when they're in their zords, they take their, their visor goes down. They're still in their suit, but the visor goes down so you can see who they are. So that's almost like a Judge Dredd, the first Judge Dredd, not Dredd, Carl Urban, but the one with Sylvester Stallone where he's like, I'm Judge Dredd. I'm going to wear my uniform, but only for the first part of the movie. I don't know why I was going with that. That was that wasn't a sly impression. That was terrible. But this looks like it has everything I want in a new version of one of my old favorites. The Zords look cool until they form the Megazord, which it kind of looks like a Jaeger more than anything. I think that's what they're called, right? Let me look that up. Ha, I was right. Oh, that would have been embarrassing if I got that wrong. But it looks like a Jaeger. It doesn't look like the Megazord where you can clearly see all the parts that make it up, you know, just like Voltron. But that problem aside, this still looks really good, and that is why it's my pick. I'm really excited for this. The lads and I are ready to go see it opening weekend, and I'll tell you what I think the moment I'm out. But let me tell you what I think about the movie right now before seeing it. Power Rangers gets a 10 out of 11. All right, and that's it for this week, my friends. That is it. Next week, we have a shorter list of movies, and one of those movies I'm not going to talk about. I swear to God, I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, I'm going to complain about it, because guess what? Guess what I'm looking at right now on the list of next week's release? T2 Train Spotting. Oh my God! If I talk about this again, it'll be the third time I've talked about this. So now, now it looks like the March 17th release date was a limited release, and the wide one is happening on the 31st, but I don't care anymore. I don't care. I am going to mention it briefly next week. I may about it again a little bit, but other than that, that's it. I, I'm not going to talk about that movie because it's... I've talked about it twice before. The first time, which I swear was coming out that week, that I saw on the site, all the sites, in fact, that I use for my research, and then it disappeared, and it came out again on the 17th, and now it says it's coming out again on the 31st. I'm done. I am done with Train Spotting 2. Okay, okay, rant over. I am done. Let's do the final housekeeping, and I will send you guys on your way to listen to the rest of your weekly podcasts. So if you're listening to this podcast, thank you very much. Thank you for your support. We are slowly growing, but we're growing, and that's all I could ask for. Okay, I could ask for a lot more. I could ask for a couple million dollars and more listeners, but I'm not going to be greedy, and I will thank you all for listening. If you're new to the show, welcome. So where can you find me besides wherever it is you're listening to me now? Great question. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as a Somewhat Nerdy website. That's www.somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I'd love five stars. I'm going to be honest. I want more stars. The more stars, the better. Or if the app or service you use has likes, give me a like. Give me a share. I'd appreciate that. Leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That is a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page, on the Somewhat Nerdy website. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? So am I, Billiam Somewhat Nerdy, or sorry, Billiam SWN there as well. 
Tumblr is the same. Untapped is the same. Billiam SWN. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also check out the Watch Your Mouth show. They're three episodes away from their semester finale. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.